Hello and welcome to episode 42 of the Highland Bridge Builders podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Fagala, and today we have Eric Gentry teaching us. And Eric is the Associate Preaching Minister at Highland Church of Christ. Eric is a fabulous teacher and preacher, and I am very excited to have him with us today. Uh, my question for you is, do you pray? Do you pray regularly, once a day, twice a day, multiple times a day, maybe just once a week? If you don't pray that often, it might be that the reason is maybe you don't know how to pray or you don't know what to pray uh, or maybe you don't set aside time specifically to pray. And that is what we're talking about today. We're talking again about Christian disciplines for three weeks in a row. Peter spoke last week on how to read your Bible, obviously very important. And this week, Eric is going to talk on how to pray. So without further ado, let's get in with Eric on how to pray. All right. Welcome to class, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Welcome if you're joining us. All right, we're good. Thanks for being with us. Okay, we're talking about prayer today. And in Luke 11, 1, Jesus' disciples ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. Remember that? And you've probably heard about before um, from preachers or Sunday school teachers, you know, like of all the things the disciples could have asked for. And they did ask other things. They asked to learn how to pray. In fact, they, they asked to learn how to pray like John the Baptist this, this teaches his disciples to pray, and Jesus teaches them something else. But I think, you know, the disciples recognize that prayer is kind of a fundamental aspect of what it means to be a child of God. They don't really totally get maybe what prayer means. They don't even understand how to do it, but they, they get at some level that it's something they should know how to do. It's something they should want to do. It's something they should do. And so they're asking to be taught how to do it. Uh, but some of us, you know, like, Prayer's hard to do. You know, you're, you're you know, in your 20s, 30s, 40s, beyond right now. And I would wager that in here, there's some who've struggled with prayer their whole life. I get it. Prayer's not come easily to you. And, um, and so you, you feel like those disciples, you're like, Lord, teach me to pray. Uh, so I get that. I definitely get that. Thomas Merton said this, though, for those who've struggled maybe to learn prayer their whole life. And I like this quote, Thomas Merton. This guy right there uh, is just kind of a, um, a wise contemplative, a prayerful person. And um, he's got a really interesting life. Some of you may have studied Thomas Merton. But he's, he's got this great line, the desire to pray is itself a form of prayer. The desire to pray is itself a form of prayer. Uh, Randy Harris, you all know Randy Harris, big Church of Christ guy. He's like the Church of Christ monk. And... Um, I was at this training session with him not long ago with a bunch of other ministers, <clears throat> small group of ministers. And one of the ministers said, uh, you know, like I'm up there preaching and stuff, and I don't just in my heart, though, desire the God I'm speaking about. I don't just kind of have this overwhelming desire that I'm trying to instill in the people I'm preaching to. Like, we want you all to desire Christ. That's what we want most for you. We want you to desire Christ. And he said, even though when I'm up there preaching that, the truth is I really don't desire Christ that much with my whole being. And Randy said something that's really stuck with me for a long time since that training session. And he said, ah, he said, the desire to desire Christ is enough. The desire to desire Christ is enough. Or that's a starting point is the other way of thinking about it. That really like we get hung up on, you know, like, Prayer in the morning isn't necessarily the thing I most want to do. Or I don't find myself just throughout the day thinking about Christ all the time. And Randy would say, that's okay. 
you know, the desire to want that is enough. You know, the, and that's, that's, at least that's what God can work with. That's where you can start. And I think that's what Thomas Merton's saying here. The desire to pray is itself a form of prayer. Also, for those of you who, you know, for whom praying is really hard, let me remind you of what Paul says in Romans 8, 26 to 27. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. So Paul's like, hey, I get it. Prayer's hard. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Somebody tell me what's he saying there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, like, I give you this to kind of, we're doing this session today on how to pray. And it's just going to be basic, practical, and we might get some more music from MC Hammer or something at some point. But it's just going to be really practical, right? And let me try to just relieve you from the guilt you might be feeling as you enter this conversation about how to pray. The guilt of, well, I hardly pray. Or when I pray, I'm super distracted. And it's really difficult for me, and I don't really like it. And uh, let me just kind of relieve you from that guilt and say, Paul gets it. And Paul says, the Spirit's there to help, right? The Spirit's praying for you when you can. Okay, so don't enter this conversation feel, feeling guilty. Come like as a, as a disciple who wants to want that, you know, who desires to desire Christ. That's a good enough place to start. The Spirit's working for you. All right, what is prayer? How would you answer that question? Turn to somebody beside you and answer that question. Take 30 seconds. What is prayer? You can talk loudly. You don't have to whisper. <laughs> All right. What's your anybody? Did, did anybody's partner say something really good? Kathy's. Kathy did. No, no. Yeah. Okay. What'd you say, Bill? Or what did Kathy say? Okay, Kathy didn't say anything, only Bill. All right, Bill. I just said a conversation with someone who loves you so much that he gives a lot. Huh. That's great. Bill said a conversation with someone who loves you so much he give his life free. That's great. <laughs> and I believe that. Yeah, that's right. Anybody else? So, you know, Bill's saying it's a conversation with someone who loves you yeah. more than anyone else. We're trying to teach our kids that. We'll say, you know, who loves you most in the world? And they'll be like, you do. No. Yeah. And that's super discouraging to them, right? <laughs> you don't? No, God loves you more, right? Yeah, God loves you more. Uh, but we're saying it. No, you're wrong. Yeah. Um, anybody else? What's prayer? Any good answers? All right, well, let's look at the Lord's Prayer. This is how Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. And we're going to try to use this as maybe a, a, a template for what prayer is. And we'll try to answer that question. And then we're going to move on. It's going to be super practical. We're not going to be too deep and heady today, but we're starting with this question of what is prayer. And this is how Jesus instructs us to pray. This then is how, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's not actually there in this text. But 
Okay, so what do you learn about prayer if you're looking at this? Like, if you're going to say, this is a template for what prayer should look like, what do you pick up on in this prayer? Well, it starts with praising God. Yeah, it starts with praise. Makes requests. Mm-hmm. There's requests in there. What else do you see? Short. It's short. Yep, short. Ask for forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness. So there's like a confession aspect. Full dependence on God, surrender. It expresses submission to Him too. Yeah, submission. Absolutely. Great. Here's a couple things. These are things you already said. So, prayer is both personal and intimate. Uh, so, notice how it starts our Father, right? It's an intimate term. It's an intimate term. So, we're going to start with prayer is personal and it's intimate. But also, it's corporate. So look at all the uh, pronouns. Our, you see that? Uh, give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So one of the things I think Jesus is calling us into is this, this sense that when we pray, we're joining all of God's children, right? We're, we're joining this collective chorus. Maybe we're joining all of creation. Even the rocks are crying out. We're joining all of creation as we pray. So we're not doing it by ourselves. So if you're praying this by yourself, like I, I've felt the tendency to be like my father in heaven, you know, to change the pronouns and make it more personal. I don't think that's wrong, but I do think you're missing an aspect of it, of praying with everybody else. And I, I think that's what Jesus is going for here. Prayers about adoration and requests. So as Kyle mentioned here, you've got both, you know, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Give us today our daily bread. Those are requests. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's praise, right? But prayer is ultimately about surrender. So um, let's go back. Um, so hallowed be your name. Whose kingdom come? Your kingdom come. Whose will be done? Your will be done. It's ultimately about submission, as Anna said, as about surrender. Ultimately, I think that's what, that's what prayer is. It's surrender. Um, I'll tell you this story from, uh, and this, this speaks to what Bill was saying earlier. I think it's from Dusty Rush, who preaches at the campus church in Atlanta, I believe. But I heard the story from somebody else who heard it from somebody else who heard it from somebody else, but it's a good metaphor. So Dusty, he's got a son who at the time of telling this story, I think he's like 15 or something. And so he says that sometimes when he's driving his car, uh, when Dusty's driving, you know, his, his son's just 15. Hey, Spencer, how are you, Ben? He's driving, he'll, his son will be sitting in the passenger seat, and he'll reach over and he'll grab his son's hand and hold his hand. Or his son will reach over and grab his hand. And he's like, my son who's 15, it's so awkward to him. And he's just like, I'm a 15-year-old dad, like this is weird. Right? And if there's anybody in the car, they're certainly not going to do it. But his dad, any moment they're holding hands, just loves it. Like, there's nothing he would, he would rather do. And I, I think that's a great you know, albeit maybe a little bit cheesy metaphor for prayer, is that it, it can feel really awkward. It can feel difficult. It can feel like I'm not really good at it. And the whole time, God's just like cheesing up there. You know, like this is the greatest thing in the world. He's hanging out with me or she's hanging out with me. I, I like that metaphor. All right. So how's your prayer? Okay. So um, let me hear, hear from you guys and ladies. What's, go what's going good in prayer for you right now? What's working for you when it comes to prayer? Are there, are there any practices you do? Are there any prayers you pray? Anything that you just like, this has become a really important part of my life. It's really changed, shaped, transformed me. Uh, what would you say? What's going good? I guess it depends on like how, like how you go about praying. Like how, what's your, what you have, a, if you have a routine or if you just do it every now and then. 
it depends on it. Like, yeah. My dad, my ever since I was born, um, before that, even my dad has prayed uh, using, of course, back then it was notepad and pencil mm-hmm. or pen. So he journaled. He journaled his yeah. prayers. Yeah. And now he types them out on the computer, uh, and he's done that ever since I was born. Yeah. Uh, I've started. I've started that as well. And marker that works. <laughs> it's not the end of the world if we don't have one. All right, journaling. Anybody else journal? Okay. What else is going good? Any other practices you're like, man, this really works for me. I'd love to share this with everybody else. I think if you write it down to where you can also see when you're answered. Yeah. It just kind of gives you affirmation because sometimes you forget things you pray about. Yeah. Yeah, the green one's not bad. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to look at a, there's some great books that have been written about prayer. We'll look at a couple of them today. But one of those is just like a compilation of this guy's answered prayers, George Mueller, right? And I think that's a really powerful experience. Because so often we pray about something and God answers those prayers. And then like five years later, we're having this faith crisis and we're like, God's never done anything in my life. And he's answered all these prayers, you know, that you just, you kind of forget about. So I've been there. Okay, what's going poorly? What's, what's tough for you in prayer? If you're like, man, if I could change this about prayer, this is what I would change. Attention span. Attention, uh, yeah, attention span. Absolutely. I'm not going to try to write it. I keep going over there and try to do it. What else? So I think for me, I turn to prayer a lot when I feel like in the moment that I'm like at my wit's end. So mostly mm. like parenting these days, I feel like is when it really like works for me is when I remember to pray when I'm like right on the edge. And then I do feel like it helps. Yeah. I feel like the part of my prayer life that I struggle in is the more like intentional, like when I'm seeking out direction for something that's down the road, like, like those kinds of things. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. That's kind of where I'm at, I feel like. Yeah, definitely. That makes sense. Anybody else? What's a struggle? I think when we're instructed to pray continually, continuously, mm-hmm. like that's really a struggle, kind of like what Anna said. Yep. Um, so I've been past like year or so practicing the, the Jesus prayer and if you're going to talk about that I'm, I'm I am going to talk about it but go ahead yeah but yeah that's been a spiritual practice that I've been doing it's become like breathing and you could probably talk about that too but um, it's been instrumental and fulfilling praying continuously very good yeah. glad to hear that Keith all right those are great responses so this is a this is from um, Gary Thomas sacred pathways it's a great quote. So as we jump in here, I'm going to give you a bunch of instructions on how to pray. And take it all with a grain of salt because we're all different. That's what this, this uh, passage is saying. Scripture tells us that the same God is present through Genesis, through, through Revelation, from Genesis to Revelation, through people, though, sorry, though people worship that one God in many ways. Abraham had a religious bent, building altars everywhere he went. Moses and Elijah revealed an, act, an activist's streak in their various confrontations with the forces of evil and in their conversations with God. David celebrated God in an enthusiastic style of worship, while his son Solomon expressed his love for God by offering generous sacrifices. Ezekiel and John described loud and colorful images of God, stunning and sensuous brilliance, and Mordecai demonstrated his love for God by caring for others, beginning with the orphan Esther. Mary of Bethany is the classic contemplative, sitting at Jesus' feet. These and other biblical figures of the Old and New Testaments confirm to me that within the Christian faith, there are many different and acceptable ways of demonstrating our love for God. 
Our temperaments will cause us to be more comfortable in some of these expressions than others, and that is perfectly acceptable to God. In fact, by worshiping God according to the way He made us, we are affirming His work as Creator. So I grew up in the um, quiet time era, you know, where what, what was preached, you know, at every youth function, college function, whatever it is, are you doing your quiet time? Are you doing your daily quiet time? And we had a really narrow understanding of what quiet time meant. You know, basically you get out your Bible and your highlighter and you, you take notes, right? And you, you might say a prayer, right? We had a really concrete thing. Well, for how many of you did quiet time go really well? Great. Not me. It just, it, it wasn't kind of how I was wired. And so I, I left every, you know, summer camp just hating myself because I wasn't doing quiet time enough, right? And I think this passage is helpful because it's saying, hey, it's a perfectly acceptable if quiet time isn't what works for you in that standard, that strict sense. There's a lot of ways to think about how to approach God. All right, when should you pray? What do you think? When should you pray? So early is maybe the best. Uh, I like, you know, when people talk about prayer, they say there's like no best time to pray. You can pray anytime. But I'm, I'm going to submit to you, praying early is the best time to pray. Uh, so Mark 135, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Um, you, you know what's been the, the most important uh, piece of my growing prayer life over the last three or four years? The most important piece? Any guesses? What's that? Well, no, nah, I wish. Maybe, that'll be the next three to four, I hope, right? But the most important thing to my spiritual growth in the last three to four years has been coffee, <laughs> learning to like coffee. And so, um, I mean, Lindsay can attest to, I've hated coffee for a long time. But now, every night before bed, I fill up the Keurig, you know, uh, reservoir. And so I know I'm going to get up early, and I'm going to hit that little thing. It's going to start heating up, right? And I've got this same routine I go through, and then I get that coffee in my hand. And there's something about holding that coffee kind of against my belly and just sitting with it and warming me up. It just, like, puts me in the mood to pray. And it wakes me up because I've got coffee, and now it's become a habit. And so prayer is a habit. So you should start drinking more coffee, right? Um, when to pray. I think early is probably the best time to pray. We're just going to be ruthlessly practical this morning. And another reason I think maybe philosophically, and that's not so practical, that early is the best time to pray is that if, if you, I do think you should pray continually. We're going to talk about that. And I do think you should pray at the end of the day. But I think what the spiritual fathers and stuff like guys like Thomas Burton and, who, and others who would get up early to pray would say is what you're doing when you get up early is you're giving your best self to God. When you wait till the end of the day, end of the day to pray, you're kind of giving the leftovers. And some of us are not morning people, and that's that's difficult to swallow. And, and so you say, well, I really just have better prayer times if I pray at night. Great, you should still pray at night. I think you should pray in the morning too, right? That's what I would say. I think you should pray in the morning too. I think you should pray often. Psalm 119, 164 says, seven times a day I praise the Lord. Uh, Thessalonians 5.17, as Keith mentioned, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You should pray often. You should pray throughout the day. There's this guy named Brother Lawrence. Um, there's this great little book called The Way of the Pilgrim. Has anybody read The Way of the Pilgrim? Uh, it's kind of a, 
we don't know if it's a true story or fiction. It's, it's written by an anonymous author, probably from Russia in the late 1800s. And it describes this peasant who is on a journey to figure out what Paul means when he says pray continually. He hears a preacher say that in uh, one of the, the big cathedrals over there. And so he goes to all these holy people. He's on this pilgrimage to try to find out what it means to pray continually. And each of them, they, they basically don't know how to answer him. And finally, he, he comes across one who teaches him the Jesus prayer. And he says, ah, this is what Paul means when he says pray continually. It's, it's breath prayer. Brother Lawrence, I'm going to explain the Jesus prayer to you in a minute. But Brother Lawrence was this, um, he washed dishes at a monastery. He was a brother. He wasn't a father. So he wasn't a, like the full-fledged monk. He was the guy who works at the monastery serving the full-fledged monks while they pray all day. And he developed this habit called practicing the presence of God. And so while he was washing dishes, he would be doing what, what we would think of as breath prayer. And I'm going to explain that in a minute, in the very next minute. But ultimately, he was, while he was occupied in other things, he was trying to draw his attention to the presence of God where he was. So in the cistern where he's washing dishes, um, all around him and the people he's talking to. Practicing the presence of God, is, it's a classic if you want to read something sometime. So the idea with breath prayer, and we're trying to get at how do you pray continually, are these are prayers that you can say throughout the day while you're driving, while you're working, while you're fixing people's teeth. You may not want to say it to them while you're fixing their teeth, but say in your mind. You can say it audibly or quietly. And the idea is as you breathe in, you say the first part of the prayer, and as you breathe out, you say the second part. And in, in the way of the pilgrim, the instruction that the holy man gives this little pilgrim is he says, go pray the Jesus prayer, which is the first of these prayers. He says, pray it 10,000 times in a day. And the way he does that is he's got uh, a rosary, basically, that he's, he's working the beads on it. And he says, pray it 10,000 times in a day. And then in the next day, pray it 10,000 more and 10,000 more the next. And then by the third or fourth day, it's just going to be part of who you are. You're going to be praying the Jesus prayer every time you're breathing. So the idea is that you breathe in Lord Jesus Christ. And so God is as close to me. You know, in him we live and move and have our being, as Paul says in Acts. So the idea is that God is as close to me as the breath I breathe. He's providing me the breath. So I breathe in Lord Jesus Christ. Have mercy on me as I breathe out. The longer version is Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. So you breathe that in Lord Jesus Christ. Have mercy on me. There are other breath prayers that people have used. You can use any breath prayer you want. Here are some. My soul glorifies the Lord. That's from Luke 1, 46. It's Mary. My soul finds rest in God alone. Psalm 62, 1. Shepherd, lead me by still waters. Come, Holy Spirit, come. And um, so like Keith, breath prayer is the, the, the central part of my own uh, spiritual life, breath prayer. So it, I find it's really good to do in meetings. You know, um, just to pray, like it changes the way you respond in meetings if you're praying the Jesus prayer. You know, you know, Peter, it might determine the way you walk into a patient's room if you're praying the Jesus prayer as you're walking down the hall. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Um, you know, the, the few times Lindsay and I have gotten in a disagreement, the Jesus prayer has been significant, right? Like it might determine the way I respond. It's usually my fault, but that's why I'm praying for Jesus to have mercy on me, not on Lindsay, right? It's not like, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on my sinful life, you know? That's not what I'm saying. It's Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. And it, and it does, like when you're in conflict, if you, if you are a person who practices the breath prayer, it will change the way you have those conflicts because it, it calls attention to your need for the mercy of Jesus, right? 
If, uh, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Breath prayer. I'd, I'd prescribe to you breath prayer. At least give it a try. You can do it audibly or not. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. I do it silently. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy. And I just think about it while I breathe. Any questions on that? We're just being practical, rest of the class. Yeah. Doing it for a few months, just when you feel like in the, in the day when you're stressed out and you take a deep breath anyway because it's just biological. Yeah. That just pops up into your head. Yeah. It just, it just happens yep. after a few months of doing it. So it's, it's really kind of cool. It's really sweet for your first thought as you wake in the morning and breathe, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. That's what happens in the way of the pilgrim. And as you're falling asleep, you're thinking, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. It just becomes part of him. Every breath it just becomes part of him. A lot of spiritual heroes would say prayer can become part of your, your breathing. Okay, anybody ever heard of examine? Examine? Anybody ever heard of this? So uh, these are basically, Ignatius was the guy who started the Jesuits. You've heard of Jesuits before, who, who've gone into all the world to preach the gospel. Side note, the bet, one of the best books I've ever read is called The Sparrow by Mary Doria Russell. It's a fiction. I'd, I'd recommend it to you. It's about Jesuits. Just a side note. Just, that's just a bonus. You can tip me later. All right. Examine is a practice that, you know, Jesus talks about in Matthew 23. The Pharisees have all these problems, and he, they're doing all these things they shouldn't be doing. And he says the main issue is that the inside of their cup is dirty. I preached on this. You may remember you probably don't remember. The inside of their cup is dirty. He says, if you clean the inside of the cup, the outside will also be clean. If you clean the inside, the outside will also be clean. And examine is really a practice to help you clean the inside of the cup. That prayer, what he's saying prayer is, is ultimately God revealing things to you about your inner cup, about what's going on inside of you. God kind of putting the magnifying lens on you and letting you see what's going on inside of you. So examine is a practice to do, not necessarily in the morning, maybe in the afternoon. He prescribed it at noon and before bed. And you think about your day and how your day went in light of some of these questions. Okay. And I find it's a really good practice to, to pray as I'm kind of laying my head down on the pillow at night or I've turned off the light after I've read. For what today am I most grateful? For what moment today am I least grateful? When did I give or receive the most love today? And when did I give or receive the least love? When today did I have the deepest sense of connection with God? When today did I have the least sense of connection with God? When was I living out the fruit of the Spirit today? When was I not living out the fruit of the Spirit today? Where did I see God today? Where did I struggle to see God today? You don't ask yourself all those questions. You just ask yourself one pairing of questions. And you kind of find the one that works for you, and you find yourself asking yourself that every day. Let's examine. Uh, if anybody wants this PowerPoint or anything, I can share it with you afterwards or you can take pictures okay where should you pray where should you pray um does anybody have a favorite place they pray Where they go huh the car. yeah um so one of the professors i worked for in school a guy named david ray um he lived kind of out on a farm outside of abilene <laughs> and he his commitment was he would never turn his radio on if he was in his car he was praying and i think that's a a great practice I do use my radio some, but I think it's a great practice. Anybody else? You got a favorite place? <clears throat> Walking. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Uh, Richard Foster, who wrote this, the, maybe the best book on the spiritual life. I don't know if it's the best. There's so many good books. A great book called Celebration of Discipline. Has anybody read Celebration of Discipline? You need to read it. It's great. 
he talked about his favorite spot, his habit was he would get up in the morning. I think I remember he made coffee as well. And he would light a candle and he would sit in this same chair. And if his family saw him sitting in that chair with the candle lit, they knew, okay, dad or husband is, is praying right now. I'm going to leave him alone. So with a two-year-old and four-year-old, that's not going to work, which is why you need to get up early. You need to get up before they get up. Uh, but he would do the same routine every day. That was part of his practice. Coffee, I talked about why that's important to me. Uh, rocking chair, you know, you, you may have a certain chair that you like. I sit in the same spot on the couch every day, and that helps me. Or walking, prayer walking. A lot of people talk about that, and that's, that's a really good one, especially because you're probably going to be outside. I mean, you may be prayer walking on a treadmill. But for some people, activity helps eliminate distraction. You know, so if you can get your body moving, you're not as likely to think about other things because your, your, your body, you're more physically active, involved. And so prayer walking is a habit that dates back really far. People have been doing that for a long time. I like prayer writing. So one of the things I do in the morning, if I can, is get up really early and go ride my bike and then come back home. And I've got like a four mile stretch to ride on the green line before the trail the trail come back so on the way there i'm doing the jesus prayer and on the way back i'm doing the jesus prayer and uh it's good for me it's good for me and that's why i tell Lindsay i need to go ride I'm like baby it's me and jesus out there on the bike room all right what should i do with my hands you ever think about that um what should you do with your hands when you pray what should you do Probably whatever is probably true. Yeah. I think a lot of us find like we get fidgety. We don't know what to do with our hands. So Richard Foster wrote Celebration of Discipline. He talks about palms up, palms down. And so you start your prayer palms down. And again, I'm prescribing a whole bunch of possible things. Not all of them are for you. You don't have to do them all. But if you're like, yes, my hands drive me crazy when I'm praying. Try this. Okay. Uh, you start with your palms down. And what it symbolizes is that you're turning some, all, everything over to God. You know, like you're handing it to him. That's what it symbolizes. So, you know, you've got frustrations with your kids. You've got frustrations with work. You and your spouse are in a fight or whatever the case may be. So you start your prayer and you just you turn that over. So you're sitting, probably sitting. You're sitting there. You've got your hands on your knees, your hands down. And so this moment comes when you feel like you've surrendered all those things. And so you're, you're going to name all those things to God. God, I'm, I'm mad at my wife. I'm mad at my husband. I'm frustrated that my kids aren't listening to me. So you've got your hands. And then this moment comes where you're like, okay. I got it all off my chest. I've turned it all over to you. And then, and then you turn your hands over. And the idea there is I'm gonna move from, from giving to you, God, to receiving from you. And so it's symbolic, you know, it's, but that's what baptism is, right? You know, like God's doing something in this human moment. And, and I think it's similar, like we're gonna to try to do things in our human space to invite God to be present. That's, that's what baptism is. And so this is just a very physical thing. I'm gonna to turn my hands over. I'll leave them like that. Um, anybody have a question about that? I mean, we're super practical here. Why, why do you think we, uh, maybe it's just like an obvious Bible verse, but why do you think we, we do this or that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we, that stretches back far in the Christian church. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure why. Can't tell you. Sorry, I asked. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, what to pray? All right. So I'm going to fly through these. These are different examples of what you might pray. You can take screenshots of these if you want. You can, I'll give you the, the uh, PowerPoint if you'd like it. What to pray. So the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
the Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Great prayers from the Bible to consider praying. Uh, Brian Zahn, he's a, a pastor in Missouri. I heard him recently, and he talked about he was having this, this crisis of faith, and he was having real difficulty praying, and God, you know, he, he described it that he had a revelation from God. And what God said was, well, wh you know, why are you putting all the pressure on yourself to come up with the words? Like, I've given you so many words you can pray to me. Like, if you're just totally relying on yourself to know what to pray, that's going to be lousy prayer. <laughs> like, there's a lot of people who are a lot holier than you who've prayed better than you have. So you should pray what they prayed. And I think that's a pretty good idea. Here's great prayers from the Bible. Uh, prayers from men and women, pretty cool, in the Bible that we have. This is the prayer of quiet trust is what this is called. It's a... It, something Catholics do. It's called the prayer of quiet trust. This is from Psalm 131. You could use any version you want. I love, um, this is the message, so Eugene Peterson. God, I'm not trying to rule the roost. I don't want to be king of the mountain. I haven't meddled where I have no business or fantasized grandiose plans. I've kept my feet on the ground. I've cultivated a quiet heart like a baby content in its mother's arms. My soul is a baby content. Wait, Israel, for God. Wait with hope. Hope now. Hope always. Uh, what some people who use the prayer of quiet trust, they use that to start their prayer time. So they, they eventually memorize it, and then they start their prayer time with that. Because it's this declaration that, God, I'm not a big deal. I'm a simple person. I'm going to come to you with an open heart and let you do what you want. And if you don't do anything today, cool. I'm going to come back tomorrow. I'm going to tell you I'm not a big deal. Do with me what you want. So the expectation's low. I've cultivated a quiet heart. This is the prayer for indifference. Indifference is a spiritual term. Um, the, the idea here is not that you don't care. It's that you trust whatever comes is of God. And so, you know, some people like, I've, I've used this example before, you know, Lindsay and I are trying to decide where to go have dinner, right? And she's, she's like, where do you want to go? And I say, I don't care. And she's like, well, okay, that doesn't help anything, right? Y'all have had this same conversation before. Uh, that's not what indifference is. Indifference is, you know, like, um, God, we could move here, or we could move here. I trust you would be glorified in both, and I'm going to trust you'll reveal the way. That's indifference. Whichever, I'm going to trust you, it's the right way to go. That's indifference. And that, this is the prayer for indifference. Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. That's Mary from Luke 1. Uh, this is Dietrich Bonhoeffer talking about praying the Psalms. So that's one of the practices you can do. It's one that I do is pray through the Psalms. I'm on Psalm 119 right now. I've been on there a couple of days because it's super long. Yeah, I, I wish like I pray all the Psalms and it's one a day. But when Psalm 119 comes here, I want to be like, you know, first and last verse, you know, like the preachers, not do the whole thing. If we want to read and to pray the prayers of the Bible and especially the Psalms, we must not ask first what they have to do with us, but what they have to do with Jesus Christ. We must ask how we can understand the Psalms as God's word, and then we shall be able to pray them. It does not depend, therefore, on whether the Psalms express adequately that which we feel at any given moment in our heart. If we are to pray aright, or rightly, perhaps it is quite necessary that we pray contrary to our own heart. So like when the prayers of Psalms are like vindictive against people, and you're like, I'm not really mad at anybody right now. Right. Not what we want to pray is important, but what God wants us to pray. If we were dependent entirely on ourselves, this is Brian Zahn speaking again here, we would probably pray only the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer, but God wants it otherwise. The richness of the Word of God ought to determine our prayer, not the poverty of our heart. Yeah, we shouldn't rely on ourselves to come up with what we should pray. Should I pray in Jesus' name? Um, 
I, when I was praying here, I, actually when I was first here, an elder guy here at Highland came up to me uh, one Sunday morning after I prayed and said, you know, you didn't say in Jesus' name. And I really wish you would. And I was like, Phew. And now I, w- I was like, yeah, you're right, dude. I should have done it. I, I do think you should pray in Jesus' name. I think you should. Yeah, I think he was right. I didn't actually do that. Um, because Jesus says to pray in his name. Intercessory prayer, praying for others. Uh, you know, that's, in, that's instructed in Scripture. I, Randy Harris talks about this, um, about intercessory prayer, the way that he does it, and we're running out of time, is, is that he often does it while walking. He walks every morning. And he says that what he does in terms of intercessory prayer, because he doesn't know what to ask for for anyone in any situation. And we could all think about that, where we were praying for one thing, and we got something else, and it turned out a lot better. Garth Brooks. Rightly. And uh, so we can all think about that. And so Randy says that he doesn't know what to pray for any person, but when he's got somebody on his prayer list, what he does is he worries about them before God. Okay? So he's like, you know, Eric's got all this going on. God, I don't know what to do about it. I'm kind of stressed for him. I'm kind of stressed. I'm kind of stressed. And then this moment will come where he's not worried about that person anymore, and then he moves on. And, and that's what he describes as intercessory prayer. He worries about somebody before God until he's not worried anymore. And that's really biblical, you know, to, to not worry any longer. I think a lot of our inter- intercessory prayer comes from worry, and it's really this invitation for God to do something in you in the moment you're praying for somebody else. Best books on prayer. If you want to read on prayer, here's some of my highlights, some of my favorites. Celebration of Discipline, Richard Foster, Sacred Rhythms, Ruth Haley Barton. Answers to Prayer by George Mueller. That's the one Monique was talking about, writing down your answers to prayer. George Mueller has these fantastic stories of not having any support for his ministry and praying about it and like they're destitute, they're on their last breadcrumbs and a check shows up on the front door. Right? And so he just writes down all these answers to prayer. It's a really wonderful book. Beverly Ralston gave that to me. Maybe gave that to Kathy as well, maybe, I think. 10 Minute Transformation by Chris Altrock, bestseller, God's Voice Within by Mark Thibodeau, Spiritual Disciplines Handbook by Adele uh, Alberg Calhoun. That's just like a a bit, it's like the Bible of Spiritual Disciplines Handbook, just one page after another of different disciplines you can try, different ways to pray. We'll skip that. We'll skip that. Um, okay. Uh, this is the last thing I'll share with you, and I'll stop. Ultimately, you know, what most kind of the spiritual heroes would say is that the the goal of prayer, well, the goal of prayer is sanctification, that you would be made more like Christ, that Christ will revere to you your inner self. But in terms of the practice of prayer, you know that's happening when your prayer moves from really wordy prayers, you talking the whole time, to you listening the whole time. That, that, that's really the way that prayer moves. And as you're maturing in prayer, you're going to feel like you have to fill that empty place with words, and it gets to a point where you just want to be in the empty place. And um, I was going to talk about distractions too, but this is a great poem from Wendell Berry, which I'll just let you read as I'm sharing this last story. Uh, Dave uh, Dave Kelly said something about distraction. Let me give you one final metaphor for distraction because I deal with that too. Mississippi River, you got all these tugboats going up the Mississippi River pushing these barges, going up the Mississippi River pushing this stuff. So when I pray, what I like to do is kind of silly, is imagine myself as this uh, riverboat going up the river, pushing this stuff. And stuff, as I'm praying, comes down the river towards me. And sometimes it's like logs, 
sometimes it's another barge and they're, they're distractions that are coming my way. And so I, sometimes I'll actually write them down. So I have a to-do list at the end of my time. I think Peter talked about that last week, but I don't, one of the things that happens is we get really mad at ourselves that this distraction's coming our way. And also we're like, why am I thinking about the car bill that's due? You know, like, why am I thinking about my son's t-ball practice tonight? You're thinking about all these things that are coming by you. And pretty soon you're entirely focused on the thing that's coming by you and how mad you are that that thing's distracting you from your prayer that you're no longer focused on the prayer. And so what I like to do is just like acknowledge those things floating by and then just be like, okay, I'll see you later. <laughs> just acknowledge it, see you And I'm not mad, I'm just like, hey, good to see you out here on the river. I'm gonna keep going. Okay, so that's that's the metaphor I use. It may not be good for you, but it helps me. All right, that's all I've got. Thanks for being here. Kyle's going to close us out. Okay, so I want to thank Eric for doing an exceptional job. He even had more uh, left in the tank, I think, in terms of slides. We're actually going to upload these slides to the Highland Bridge Builders private forum. It's just a Facebook group that's on Facebook. You can find it by searching Highland Bridge Builders. You'll see the one that's called private forum. That's a a private group and then there's also a public page we don't use quite as much but we don't spam this page but we will upload things like this when the time comes and then certainly I announce each Sunday who's teaching class what the topic is and so feel free to join even if you're not in the Memphis area feel free to join and uh, you can kind of keep up with us there the podcast gets uploaded there and so on and so forth so um, thanks again to Eric this is a topic I, and I said this in our conclusion in the class but it's one that I feel like he is come back to several times over the last few years and I've seen him really grow in his knowledge and ability to teach about it. Obviously Chris Altrock, if you know our church, uh, he, he spent a lot of time on this topic. He's written books on this topic and so really my understanding of prayer has shifted and grown in the last few years as a member of Highland and I think that's a good thing and so I think if we only have one idea of what prayer means I think we're missing missing a whole lot okay uh, so next week we'll be back with the topic of how to share the gospel it's our last in this three-week series on Christian disciplines and uh, I'm not exactly sure who's going to teach that but I'm sure it will be great C certainly let's say the most central or the most obvious thing as Christians that we should be doing is telling other people about the faith that we have and the hope that we have uh, because Jesus died for us um, so I'm excited for that and I hope you'll join us back next week with how to share the gospel. Thanks a lot. Have a great week.